Bibles. Today we're going to be reading the same two verses out of the NIV version of the Bible. Uh, it's our thematic scripture for this series, uh, and I believe the Lord's going to speak to us today. If you don't have your Bibles, Lauren's going to have it on the screen. So I want to ask if you will to stand with me all over the room. We're going to read the word, these two verses, and then we're going to pray. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. I want to preach to you this morning part three of this sermon series, Enlarge Our Territory. If you will, pray with me and for me today. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for your presence and your anointing. God, I ask you today that you would anoint these lips to speak your word. God, I don't want to speak my words because unless you have spoken, God, we've not been spoken to. So, Father, I ask you today to speak and to speak clearly. Touch hearts. Stir us up, God. Remind us of our purpose and the reason that you have placed us here for such a time as this. Anoint your word today. Anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive. And let us leave differently than we came. Because we've been in your presence already. And now, God, we ask that you would change us by your word. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. As you know, the Lord has spoken to me that the mandate for this church in 2020 or 2020, however you say it, is to pray the kingdom of God forward. And we're going to focus much of our time on prayer this year, asking and believing God for souls to be added to the kingdom. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I'll probably scare some of you to death with this because I'm not saying that I'm going to start this. I'm just throwing this out there just so that you understand how important prayer is and how prayer can change uh, the trajectory of a church. Um, uh, Loran Livingston, who is one of my favorite pastors in the Church of God, pastors the Central Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, runs about 4,000 people per service, two services on Sunday mornings. Uh, Angie and I and, and my children have been to his church before. Uh, but about 26 weeks ago now, 27 tomorrow night, he began having a Monday night prayer meeting. Now, I know how it is when you pastor a church. You may run 4,000 twice on Sunday morning for two different services, but you call a prayer meeting and you'd be lucky to get 400. How many knows what I'm talking about? But he started this prayer meeting on Monday nights, 27 weeks ago tomorrow night, and now they are running so many people in that service. They are over capacity every single Monday night and the fire marshal is threatening to shut it down if they don't figure out how to accommodate the people. Now the sanctuary is full, about 4,000 people and the Life Center is filling up with people to pray on Monday nights. They have seen in those prayer meetings folks get saved, yes of course, but they've seen people get healed, they've seen people get miraculously delivered, they've seen witches come in off the street and be delivered, they've seen Drug addicts delivered, alcoholics delivered, homosexuals delivered, you name it, they've seen it. They saw a lady that had been given that it was apparently from, from what I heard in the podcast had been a long time in their church, her and her husband, and she got the news from uh, the doctor that she had stage 4 cancer, was scheduled the next week for uh, treatment, and she went in on that Monday night and told the church what was going on. They prayed and they anointed her, as the Bible says. They prayed in a prayer of faith, believing for her healing. She went back the next week to start treatment, and the doctor said, we're going to do your scans one more time just so we make sure we're treating the affected areas. And they did the scans, and they called her back that afternoon, and they said, we don't even know what to say to you, but there's not one single hot spot in your body. I'm telling you, there is power in prayer. Somebody say amen. We are living beneath our privileges when we don't spend time in prayer. So this year we're going to focus much of our time on prayer. We're going to believe God for souls to be added to the kingdom. As I've said before, not just to Freedom Point Church, but to the kingdom of God. 
And so if you've not been here the last two weeks, when I searched the scriptures on prayers in the Bible, I kept being pulled back to the prayer of Jabez. And I believe that God has much to say to us about this prayer and the powerful effect that it can have on our lives as well. And today is our third Sunday looking at the prayer of Jabez. We began two weeks ago by taking an overview of the person of Jabez and an overview of the prayer. And we mentioned that Jabez had to overcome his name and his circumstances to become a man of noble character, more honorable than his brothers, the Bible said. And last week we looked at the first part of Jabez's prayer that said, Oh, that you would bless me. If you haven't been here the last two weeks, could I just see your hand right now? If maybe, uh, we're not going to embarrass you, but if you haven't gotten to be here the last two weeks, anybody in this 845 service? Good, praise the Lord, you've all been here. We've covered that to ask for blessing is to ask for nothing more and nothing less than all that God has for us. And that the attitude needs to be that our blessings are not for us to hoard, but they're meant to be used for the benefit of the body of Christ. That's why the Lord blesses us. So today, we're going to move on to the second part of this prayer. And uh, if you have missed any of the messages, you're watching by live stream, you can catch up on the archive videos or all of those different ways they have the podcast out there. So I want us this morning to read the prayer together. It's printed on the cards that I gave you. And of course, Lauren's already got it on the screen. And just prior to the prayer in verse 9, the Bible said, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. I want you to read this aloud with me. Here we go. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. I'm excited about this prayer, if you can't already tell, but I'm especially excited about this part of the prayer. This message is going to be just as difficult probably for me to preach as the message that I preached on sharing your blessings because everybody knows that that gets difficult sometimes when you go to talking about people's finances and different things like that. Well, this week I want to talk about something that probably a lot of times as a traditional conservative Pentecostals we shy away from the teaching. But living large for God. I want to talk about that today. Living large for God. Not just living large, but living large for God. I want you to listen to what Dr. Wilkinson says about this prayer, this part of the prayer of Jabez. He says, and I quote, From both the context and the results of Jabez's prayer, we can see that there was more to his request than a simple desire for more real estate. He wanted more influence, more responsibility, and more opportunity to make a mark for the God of Israel. See, the idea here in this prayer is to have a greater impact. Now, the Lord may allow your business holdings, your business exposure or whatever to grow, but the idea of using that growing influence to actually influence people for Christ. Did you know that you may have been placed in the job that you're on, or you may have been given the business that you've been blessed with because God is placing people in your path that you can share that influence that you have on that job or in that place of business. You can share, you can use that influence to share the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ with somebody who doesn't know Him. See, one thing that I have learned from all of the businesses that I've been blessed to work with for uh, well over 20 years now, I've been doing banking and, and of that I guess uh, about 20 years of lending, Abby will be 20 this year, so 20 years of lending and one of the things that I have learned from all of the businesses that I have been blessed to work with from the startup phase over the years is this, if you don't think big, you will always be small. If you don't think big, you will always be small. And I could tell you stories of businesses that started in a house garage and grew to million dollar and even a couple I can think of multi-million dollar operations right here in our city. But my point here is that they never thought small even when they were small. Come on somebody. They never thought small even when they were small. And so they've reaped the rewards. 
If you start a business and you want it to grow, you need to run that business in a fashion that allows for proactive action geared for growth. Because reacting is sometimes too late in most cases. And that's also the case for churches. Now I know some of you are probably starting to get a little uncomfortable, but just stay with me and listen. That's also the case for churches. That is exactly why I take the staff on a two-day working retreat once a year. We leave this coming Thursday. If you don't think it's a working retreat, why don't you try asking them? Amen, Angela Crouch? Angela went on her first one last year, and I think the word that she used was, it was intense. That's what she said. We, we, it's a full working retreat. We do that once per year. We work extra long hours, early morning till late at night for a couple of days, being proactive about the year of ministry that is out ahead in front of us. That's also why we have added media outlets such as live stream and podcasts so that we can reach more people with the gospel. That's why we've even leased and renovated the entire building next door to minister to children of all ages from the infants and toddlers downstairs to the middle school, high school, and college students upstairs. That's why we're constantly always looking at ways to make our church more welcoming to visitors. And I'm, I don't just mean by the looks of the place. I mean make them feel welcome when they come in. Should people feel uh, accepted in their sin their sin should not feel accepted but they should feel accepted to come to a God that can deliver them from that sin amen pastor see small churches that are like ours don't and I'm not saying that we're necessarily a small church I'm just saying small churches that are like ours we're not necessarily a large church either don't need to do these kinds of things listen to me if they don't plan to impact people outside of who they are already impacting. Let me say that again. Small churches that are like ours don't have a need to do this if they don't have any plans to impact people outside of the area of what they are already impacting. And large churches, bigger churches like ours, will need to do these things if they want to continue to impact people outside of the people they are regularly impacting. And we have to have these things in place before they become an issue. Now I want to take just a moment this morning to brag on your leadership. And I'm not talking about me. The first thing that I want to say when it comes to the council and the staff of this church uh, the first thing that I want to say is sometimes they recognize uh, some of the areas needing improvement before I do, many times. They recognize some of those areas, whether it's your council and church security or whether it's your staff and some aspect of the service or ministry. They recognize areas that need improvement before I do many times. And that's very, very encouraging. And they are acting proactively rather than reactively. And you are blessed with good leadership from the church and pastor's council, uh, say amen, John Martin, pat yourself on the back. From the church and pastor's council and Flip and whoever else may be here this morning that's on the council, Dennis, Daniel, all, all of those folks, to the staff, uh, say amen, Darla, to the department heads and the teams of volunteers. And I hope that you realize that you are blessed and I hope that you are thankful for all of those people and all of the volunteers. We could not do what we do every week without every single one of you. Now all of us should say Amen. And as individuals, we need to think beyond the boundaries that we've been living in. If we think that all we can do for God is limited by what we can see in the mirror, then we will be limited in our impact for the kingdom. See, there's a popular term, uh, and I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, it's not really a term. I guess it's a phrase uh, that says, think outside the box, right? Think outside the box. It means to try to think beyond what you have always done or thought about something. Do you know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the, Janelle said crazy. Crazy. With that southern drawl. The definition of insanity is this. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We have to learn to think outside the box, to think beyond what we've always done or what we've always thought about something. For example, 
a man by the name of Fred Smith, that's a pretty common name, saw how packages were being delivered, taking many days and weeks to get to their destinations. He decided to think up a way for people to get their stuff, not in a few days or weeks, but overnight, anywhere in the world. The college professor, I thought this was funny, who looked at his idea submitted in a paper that he wrote for class, thought that it was a nice idea, but it wasn't very practical. So he gave him a C on the assignment. Not very practical, huh? Tell that to Fred Smith now. He still wouldn't listen to that college professor because his company, otherwise known as FedEx, is a national household name. Fred saw the box of package delivery and he saw that there had to be a better way outside of the box of what everyone had thought before. What about Jeff Bezos? Anybody know who Jeff Bezos is? Yeah, I see some heads shaking. Jeff Bezos was a guy who was working on Wall Street at the young age of 30. If you know who he is, don't give it away yet. He read a statistic one day in the spring of 1994 of how internet usage was increasing at a rate of 2,300% per year. He began thinking what kind of business plan might make sense in the context of that growth. And as the story goes, he quit his Wall Street job and started a business in his garage. His meager beginning was selling books over the internet and shipping them to the buyers. Today, he is the founder and the owner of the world's largest online retailer, generating over $72 billion in revenues and over $10 billion in net profit in 2018. You might have heard of his company. It's called Amazon. See, that's what I mean when I say we need to live large for God. The people have, of God have set back in reservation for too long thinking we can't, it's not possible. All of those different things that we talk our own faith down with. Why? Because we tend to get too focused on our shortcomings and what we may not have. We want to look at the end result of the spiritual Amazons in our day. How many knows what I'm talking about? We see the end result of the spiritual Amazons in our day. And we say that's so big, so large that we'll never win that many people to the kingdom. Or we'll never have the facility to accommodate that many people. Even if we do win them. And we never take the step of faith to get in the garage and get to work. Except our situation is slightly different. We never take the step of faith to get in our prayer closet and get to work. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you this morning, there is power in prayer. I said there is power in prayer. I serve a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything you could ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's what the word said. The God I serve is a big God. There is nothing that he cannot do. But I believe that he's just waiting on us to ask for his blessing. And to ask for his help. And to ask him to enlarge our territory. I know that drugs are an epidemic in our area. I know that poverty is an epidemic in our area. I have so many people anymore trying to reach me on my cell phone, which by the way is going to come off those business cards after this 845 service. I think I'm going to throw them in the trash. That I'm going to, I'll order some new business cards, but they won't have my cell number on them. Hallelujah. And listen, I don't mind to help people. But we get so many requests from people that don't want anything except money from us to buy their drugs. They don't tell us that's what it is. So I've kind of begun a new practice. If I don't have your number saved in my phone, if you call me and you don't get me, leave me a voicemail. If you leave me a voicemail, I will call you back. If you don't, we'll never make contact between now and when Jesus comes. Say amen, somebody. Leave me a voicemail, I will call you back. And then I'll save your number and I'll know who you are. I know that drugs and poverty are an epidemic in our area. But listen to your pastor this morning. I also know that God is a deliverer. 
And he can deliver the drug addict. I've seen him do it. He can deliver the homosexual. He can deliver the prostitute. He can deliver the lesbian. He can deliver those that are bound by pornography. Hello, that's an epidemic in our area too. As a matter of fact, that's an epidemic. I'm just going to preach a little bit this morning. That's an epidemic in the church today. We've Our children have it on their phones. We don't check them. We don't monitor them. And they're sitting somewhere in a room with the door closed watching filth and ungodliness. And we're wondering why they're not what they should be. We're wondering why they don't have power with God. We're wondering why. They're not seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost because the enemy is filling their minds while we sleep. It's an epidemic. But I also know that God is a deliverer. I know that poverty is an epidemic. But I also know that the God that I serve owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And he also owns the hills. Where is our faith as a church? We ought to get in our prayer closet and get to work and ask God to give us this city. I said we ought to get in our prayer closet and fervently ask God to give us this city. With God, we can can think outside the box of tradition in the box of our past because our thinking is too small. Let's not ever get in the trap that says, well, that'll never work. How many's heard that before? That'll never work. Isaiah 55 and 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, I'm asking God to give me just a little bit of insight into what His thoughts are about this area. I know what my thoughts are sometimes. And I hear what your thoughts are. But I'm asking God to give me some insight. As to what his thoughts are in this area. And as I was praying that this week. And in my study. He directed me to this next scripture. Isaiah 54 verses 2 and 3. He says. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. What was happening in this scripture was God was telling Israel to get ready to get back in the game. Uh, I thought that Kentucky was going to get out of the game last night. Did anybody else think that? Calipari did get sent out of the game. Hello. But he was telling, God was telling Israel to get ready to get back in the game. Because even though they would go to exile, they would return once again and possess the land. See, I think God wants us to think outside the box of this church campus. Outside the box of our growing numbers. Yes, we're continuing to grow. Membership Sunday will be coming up the fifth Sunday in March again. And I already know we have several people who are interested in taking membership with our faith family. Praise the Lord. But I think that we need to think outside the box of those growing numbers. But I also think that we need to think outside the box of our flaws and our shortcomings. And we should do this not just as a group, but we need to individually. That means you got to pray at home. That means that if the only time you talk to God is when you come here, you're not going to add anything to what goes on here. Did you hear me? If the only time that you talk to God is when you come here, you're never going to add anything to what goes on here. We should be individually asking God to think beyond our weaknesses so that we can individually have a bigger impact for the kingdom. But see, the key to doing that is understanding how God works in us to expand our territory, both individually and as a church. And to help us get that idea, I want to move on to the next section. I want to talk about God's math. How many liked math when you were in school? Math was my... John, you liked math? I guess a farmer needs to count eggs, chickens, and all that. I loved math. 
I've been doing math all my life. That's what I still do as a form of math. But I loved all that crazy math that I could not tell you how to do now. Don't send your chemistry kid to me or your algebra kid to me or, uh, oh, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Let's don't talk about statistics. That, that's of the devil. Uh, if anybody's had that class, you know what I'm talking about. But I loved math. Math was kind of my thing. But math sometimes is hard. And one of the reasons that it's hard many times to get excited about new opportunities is because we have erroneous thinking. We have erroneous thinking. We have the formula wrong in our minds. I want to show you two formulas, and I'm telling you, if you've not read Dr. Wilkinson's book, you need to read it. It's not that long. It's a great book. I want to I share with you two formulas that Dr. Wilkinson offers in his book. And you're going to have to pay attention here, but I've got them, and they're going to put them on the screen for you. The first one says, my abilities plus experience plus training plus my personality and experience plus my past plus the expectations of others equals my assigned territory. Now, in your mind, I want you to take, as a matter of fact, they'll do it on the screen for you, an imaginary red pen or pencil and just put a big X over that formula. Because that's the wrong formula. But unfortunately, that's the formula that most people are familiar with. That's the one that we use. But I want you to go back to the one before the X so they can see it again. We want to evaluate everything by our abilities, our experience, our training, our personality and experience, our past, and the expectations of what others expect from us. And that equals our assigned territory. This is why there are pastors leaving churches. This is why there are pastors leaving the ministry. Because people get caught up in, this is what I'm expected to do. Oh, that one, oh, help me Jesus. Listen, let me, let me give you a disclaimer before I get into this. And I ain't going to spend too much time. It's 17 minutes till 10. I don't look at individual giving, okay? So you cannot get offended at me over this if the shoe fits. I don't know what else to tell you to do except buy some new shoes. This is why pastors will be preaching and they'll think, Ooh, I can't talk about homosexuality being a sin because they're part of that family who gives X amount of dollars to the church. Oh, I can't talk about alcoholism, hello somebody, because they give so much or maybe they sing on the praise team or they're in the band and they like their alcohol. But I can't talk about that because I know what they expect and I'm going to offend them. Come on somebody. And when we do that, that is man's formula and the church and the kingdom that we are building will always be man's church and man's kingdom. Did you hear me? That is the wrong formula. But I want you to look at the next formula. Skip the next one and let's go to the next one. It says, my willingness, hello, and weakness. Boy, isn't that good. My willingness and even my weakness plus God's will and supernatural power equal my expanding territory. I feel the Lord right there. The Bible said the willing and the obedient shall eat the good of the land. Romans says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm telling you, I've got weaknesses. You've got weaknesses. But if we are willing and we seek God's will and ask for God's supernatural help and power God will expand our territory and give us souls for the kingdom our weakness even figures in there that's something new to think about I would have never thought that my weaknesses would have been beneficial for anything but sometimes did you know your weaknesses can help you relate to somebody else that may have the same weaknesses did you know that that's thinking outside the box. It makes no sense, especially in business, to factor in our weakness and being something that can be good. But God is in the business of using our weakness for His glory. The Apostle Paul said, when I'm weak, then am I strong. Hallelujah. 
And if you don't believe me, you ought to check out, I'm not going to read it, but check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1 sometimes. Read that whole chapter. It's a great portion of Scripture. I want to share another quote with you from the book by Dr. Wilkinson. He says, when you start asking in earnest, even begging for more influence and more responsibility with which to honor Him, God will bring opportunities and people into your path. You can trust Him that He will never send someone to you whom you cannot help by His leading and His strength. You'll nearly always feel fear when you begin to take new territory for Him. But you'll also experience the tremendous thrill of God carrying you along as you do it. See, that keeping in mind that we need to live large for God and that we need to rely on God to use us imperfect humans as He builds His kingdom. This is His kingdom. This is His church. So that takes me to the third thing I want to share with you this morning, and that is my vision for Freedom Point Church. This message had to be very personal this week, and the Lord directed me uh, in that direction. And if you've attended a Connect 101 class, and if you haven't, there will be a four-week session in March before Membership Sunday, then you have heard our strategy statement. Here's what our strategy statement said. Freedom Point Church, that's us, exist to reach, say reach, reach non-believing people, to connect, say connect, to connect them with other Christians. That's why it's important that we have each other. To help them grow, say grow, in their faith, to challenge the growing to discover their ministry and then to honor God with their life. What does that mean? That means that we are here so that we can reach non-believers. We're not here to have church every Sunday to everybody inside this building's expectations. Hello, somebody. It's not about style. I wish I could get somebody to help me. It's not about the style of the music. It's not about dim lights or bright lights. It's not about screens or hymnals. It's not about blue jeans or suits and ties. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about Jesus. And it's about lifting Him up. Because He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's why we're here. It's for them to be drawn in, to reach non-believing people, to connect them with other Christians. Listen, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. We are better together. We need each other. I need you. You need me to help them grow in their faith. I'm going to get ahead of myself in my sermon, but it's hard to grow if you don't ever attend some form of discipleship. And all the people who attend Sunday school said, And all the people who attend family night said, and all the people who don't said, oh me. Yeah, to help them grow in their faith and to challenge the growing to discover their ministry. Folks, everybody in this building has a ministry. Everybody. It may not be within the four walls of this church, but everybody has a ministry. God wants to use you for His glory. And if you'll seek Him, He'll show you what that is. To discover their ministry so that when you've discovered that, you can honor God with your life. Can I tell you that I honestly believe, I really believe this. Now some people may think that I'm foolish, but I really believe I would not be standing before you this morning if I was not walking in my calling. Because I ran from it and I ran from it until I found myself with a blood clot in my left leg from my groin to the middle of my calf. And laying in that hospital bed, I made a vow to the Lord. The Bible says it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. I made a vow to the Lord that said, if you'll heal me and let me keep this leg, I'll preach your word until I die. That's what I said. Well, I'm still alive. I'm still going to preach his word. I'm not going to give up preaching his word because I want to live. Now, did I promise him I'd pastor a church till I die? No, sir. No, ma'am. But I'll preach his word until I die. So, listen. Remember back to the first point of the message when I said that if you don't think big, you'll always be small. You know what I think about this church? 
I think we've made some notable progress for the kingdom of God. I really do. But I think that we have barely skimmed the surface for what God has for us. I think we've barely skimmed the surface. I think if we're going to continue to operate by this strategy statement that's on the screen, and I believe that we should, I believe that we need to move beyond the borders that we've been working with up until now. Will somebody say amen? What are you talking about, Pastor? We began worshiping in this building that you're sitting in in December 2013. Last month marked six years in this building. How many of you were here when we first moved into this building the first Sunday? How many were here? Let me see your hands. Several. But you know what that tells me? A good portion of you are relatively new. And that's a wonderful thing. Thank God for that. God Almighty, listen to me if you didn't raise your hand, has led you here to this church. And we thank Him for it. There will be probably a great number of people in the second service that have also been led here by the Lord sometime after December of 2013. And that's the reason we now have two Sunday morning worship services. You may look around in this service and think, wow, there's plenty of room. But you can't always add the people that come to the 11 o'clock here. You wouldn't have a place to put them. And so here's my point. That's kingdom progress. But if the building is already over full and we've had to go to two services, I could only imagine what would happen if every single one of us would get serious about God enlarging our territory and really giving us souls for the kingdom of God. Did you hear what I said? I can only imagine what would happen. We have five acres down on South 25 that we need to finish paying for. And a new building that has been designed, and the design has been paid for, but the building hasn't yet, and, and we need to build that building. I firmly believe, though, that all of that will come when all of us who are part of this church get serious about God's business and adding souls to the kingdom. You see, in fact... These are the plans right here for that building. I'm going to leave these up here after the service for you to look at if you haven't looked at them in a while because the Lord really brought that to my mind as I was preparing this sermon. They've been stuck in the back in a corner somewhere for probably over a year now and there may be many of you that haven't even seen them. But this building was designed by the staff and by the council and by all who have a vision. Uh, all of those people have a vision for the ministry of these, this church and I believe that those plans could be a reality and even sooner than we think but here's another great thing about reaching many people for Christ I have a vision that our church this church will be a sending point for laborers taking the gospel to the ends of the earth I truly believe that we already take the gospel to the jails in both male and female ministries we've had a few in our church Daniel Jones brother Benny Shauna Keaton a few that have taken it overseas but I believe that we will be taking it to the ends of the earth when we get serious about God enlarging our territory. We can have many people following Christ right here, but we can also have other people serving Him all over the world. Do you know that there is still a church in Africa that watches Freedom Point Church? The man messages me from time to time. They don't always watch it live like they used to because they, they figured out they don't have to get up. Daniel can probably tell us, what is it, 2.30 in the morning or something there right now? They don't have to get up at 2.30 or 3 in the morning uh, to watch us online. They can watch us when they get up because it will still be there. They figured that out. And, and they're still watching our church. This is the nourishment that they get each week is the word that is preached from this pulpit. Listen, folks, we got to start thinking outside the box. God has a work for us to do, and it's not for us to, to collaborate some kind of social club, hello somebody, whereby we come in and just see everybody every week and see what everybody's got on and what they're wearing and what they're driving and how they're doing now, how their children are doing. And we come in and we sing songs that please us, and we hear somebody say something that pleases us. No, that's not what this is about. That's that's never what this will be about. This will always be about lifting up the name of Jesus and, and preaching the unadulterated word of God so that the bigger, larger picture of God's work can be done and can go forth. So by adding our weakness to God's power and letting Him use us, that will happen. Say amen, somebody. 
But in order to do that, we need to focus on a couple things, and I'm almost done. This is the first thing we need to do. We need to strengthen and nourish the body. And I'm not talking about the physical body. It's good to do that too. It's good to do that. But I'm talking about the body. We need to make sure, and we'll talk about this at staff retreat. Sister Karen is our Christian education minister. She's over our discipleship program. We need to make sure that our discipleship program is high quality. And I believe that it is, but we're going to talk about it. So that all people, from our children to our senior adults, can be grounded in the Word through Sunday morning discipleship and Wednesday family night activities. I'm telling you that if you are not participating in either one of these, you need to make sure that you attend at least one of them. Can I get an amen? Discipleship will strengthen every relationship in your life. I promise it will. I promise it will. Discipleship will strengthen every relationship you are involved in, but most importantly, it will strengthen your relationship with the Lord. We need to strengthen and nourish the body of Christ, but also we need to reach out to others. I work on under two working premises, or I guess I should say I operate under two working premises. The first is, when it comes to this church, that everyone in our area already has access to the gospel. I believe that. They have access to the gospel. There are many churches in this tri-county area that do preach the life-changing message of the gospel. There are many. The second premises that I work under is that although the gospel is available, listen to me this morning, we still need to take it to people. Because many will refuse to go looking for it. Or they don't recognize it. We take it to people as a church, but we also take it to people as individuals. In other words, we need to be active in ensuring that people hear the good news of the gospel. Did you know that 71% of people would attend church if they were invited? Did you know that? 71% out of 10 people would attend church if they were invited. The gospel's accessible to them. They could be going right now, but they're not. We need to be going after them. We need to also be taking the gospel to them. Romans 10 and 14, active in ensuring people hear the good news. Listen to what Romans 10, 14 and 15 says. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can anybody preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You see, church, we need to be taking it to them. We cannot expect them to just walk in the front door hoping to hear the preacher tell them how to get to heaven. Some of that will happen, I'm sure, but not nearly enough to abandon the rest to the false hope that they will figure it out on their own because I'm here to tell you, they won't figure it out on their own. The Lord is waiting on us to share it because it's difficult to understand. They won't figure it out on their own? No. Listen to what I'm going to say because it takes the Spirit of God using the Word of God in the hands of the people of God to reach the lost. Did you hear what I said? It takes the Spirit of God using the Word of God in the hands of the people of God to reach the lost. And that's what I envision for this church. The building will come, listen, as the need grows. As we see people coming to Christ for salvation and then being established in their walk with Him so that they can be equipped in service in His kingdom, See, you remember that, anybody remember that famous line from Field of Dreams? You may not have even known it come from Field of Dreams, but the famous line that said, if you build it, they will come. I don't think that's necessarily the way it goes with church buildings. Because a lot of times when you build it, the ones that come, are not they're not coming for the right reason. They're just coming for the building. It's my opinion that if they come, then we'll build it. Did you hear what I said? If they come, then we'll build it. 
See, the building isn't the issue. Don't let the devil tell you the building is the issue. Because the building isn't the issue. The building will only become an absolute necessity as we reach people to fill it up. Somebody say amen. So let's get with God's program. Can we do that? Let's get with God's program. What is God's program? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus said, therefore, do what? Go. When you leave here, you're not done for the week. I said, when you leave here, you're not done for the week. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even until the very end of the age. That's his program. I said that's his program. The making of many disciples of Christ. And as I've said many times before, he's given the job to us, promising us that he would always be with us and in our efforts. How can we be sure of success? I'll tell you how we can be sure as they come to the music this morning. How can we be sure of success? I'll tell you how. Because we are praying. Say praying. Praying for success in reaching these souls for him. Listen. Listen to your pastor. I'm almost done. When Jabez prayed the word, when he prayed, the word said, and God granted his request. How can we be sure of success? We can be sure because we're praying for success in reaching these souls for him. When Jabez prayed, the word said, and God granted his request. Now I want you to watch what 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we ask of him pastor you're asking God to send people you're asking God to to save people yes if we ask anything according to his will he hears us let me tell you what his will is second peter chapter 3 and verse 9 The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you. Watch this. Here's His will. Not wanting anyone to perish. Did you hear me? Not wanting anyone to perish. But who? Everyone to come to repentance. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. What's His will? He don't want anybody to perish. But He wants everybody to come to repentance. We need to stop thinking inside just the walls of this church. We need to stop thinking inside just the numbers that belong to this faith family. And we need to recognize that God has given us a mandate. God has given us a mission. And there are people perishing and going to hell every day. But God wants to use this church like a city set on a hill. Like a lighthouse to reach out to the lost around us. If you'll stand with me all over the room. We can move in accordance with the known will of God and we can be sure that God will be with us and grant us a harvest for His glory. So as I wrap this up, I want to encourage you to do one thing over this next week. Take this prayer and pray it. Verse 10. Pray it. Every day. Not just a mindless mantra, but rather as a reminder that God wants to act on your behalf and on the behalf of this church. Lord, if you'll put 2 Chronicles verse 10. Thank you. While you're praying, ask God specifically to help you think outside the box to see what's possible mighty hand of God moving as only God can move. My guess is that if you make a habit of that kind of prayer, you're going to see God do things that you never thought were possible before. So if you bow your heads all over the room with me today, if there's somebody sitting here that says, Pastor, I am not ready to meet the Lord should I go out into eternity. I hear the message you're preaching today, but I'm not even sure that I'm saved. I don't even know that if I went out into eternity today, I'm not positive that I would make heaven. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up in this room very quickly and just put it right back down. 
anywhere in this room, I am not positive that I'm ready to meet the Lord. Anybody? I didn't see any hands go up, so now you can look at me. I want everybody that will. We're not that large a number that we can't do this. Listen. The church can't shy away from coming to the altar. We cannot allow ourselves. I'm going to preach a message, maybe even a series on the altar in the near future. Because that's another thing I see happening in many full gospel churches even today is nobody comes to the altar. The Bible says that we ought to build an altar. Spend time on the altar. Abraham, build an altar. Moses, build an altar. We need to spend time in the altar. I said that to say this. There's not too many of us here this morning that we can't do this. There's plenty of room. Every single one of you know that there's a soul that needs to be added to the kingdom. If you don't pray for anything else, I want you to find a place in this altar and on the first few rows and ask God, enlarge our territory. Give us that soul for the kingdom. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to open the altar. Wednesday night after church, I met with an individual, one of our members, who is really going through something. I'm not going to divulge personal information, but it involved praying for somebody. And I wouldn't tell you this if it didn't happen this way, because I'm just I'm, I'm just not this way. When I first got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I was really zealous. I did a lot of things. I'd shout at the drop of a hat, and I'd drop my own hat. I spoke in tongues more than I spoke in English. Sometimes I worry about myself now, because sometimes I've just become so fixed on making sure everything is God and that's good, everything needs to be God so I'm just telling you this because this is the way it happened I was tired, I was ready to go home, it was 9.25 I locked the door after I let him out and we talked even some more on the porch, we had prayer in my office all those things took place and I went back to gather my things and I was headed to the fellowship hall doors and I just said, God give us that soul for the kingdom and I'm telling you when I did the Holy Ghost hit me. I don't know who was on this parking lot out here. It wasn't anybody that goes to church here. Somebody was on this parking lot. The lights was on in the fellowship hall. And I, I almost turned over tables and chairs. I kid you not. I shouted all over that fellowship hall asking God to give us that soul for the kingdom. If it's just one soul, it's worth shouting about. I said if it's just one soul, it's worth shouting about. And I asked God to give us souls for the kingdom. Every single one of you knows somebody that God could use you to reach or somebody that God's laid on your heart that needs to be saved. They're going to sing. I'm going to open this altar. And if you don't pray for anything else, I want you to come and find a place somewhere up here and ask God, give us that soul.